show yep let's get it going welcome back to wtm watch this movie i am eric Mulder. so he says wrecked him damn near killed him joining me once again mr positivity aka wolfie t whoop, whoop, aka brett chicken dippers chicken dippers you had those recently yesterday yesterday <laughs> yesterday <laughs> from uh what kfc from kfc <laughs> they don't call them chicken dippers they're just chicken strips oh. or kernels kernel strips or crispy oh, I, thought th- strips. I thought they had those uh like the 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 ones for your car where it all oh, sets up over your drink that's and, like the sauces cup. are there yeah i never get those yeah it's, i think if you get a receipt and do the survey that's the giveaway is the kfc where the it's the tray for your food in your car fits over your straw and your lid for your cup. Is that KFC? You know what I'm talking about? What? I forget which restaurant it is, but when you get fast food in your car, their boxes have a hole in the center of the bottom. And so you open it up and you put the straw through it so it sits on your drink. I've never seen that. So it makes it easy to use with one hand. So you can pick up your drink and drink or just use the same hand to grab like the chicken strips or fries, that type of thing. Well, KFC's got a thing where it's like a cup that you put in your cup holder and then it's chicken yeah. strips. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking that's about not it. like a quarter pounder box. You open it up and there's a hole to put your straw through towards the back of the middle of the box. I don't, I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen that or heard of that. Folks, help me out. I think you made it though. I think you made no, it. No, I didn't. I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. I just can't remember what restaurant it is. Help me out, people. Tweet at me. Do it. At watch this underscore movie. Or positively wolf one. Yeah. Let him know. Yeah, tag both of us. Burning question of the month. Is there such thing as a fast food to go <laughs> container that sits over the straw of your drink? Yeah. Like, it goes all the way through so that it rests on the lid. Makes me think of that Taco Bell commercial where the guy's got his food on the pasture seat and it's just sitting wide open. <laughs> like, he's unwrapped everything. And he runs a, a yellow light because he didn't want a quick stop. Yeah. And it's like, why did you unwrap everything? <laughs> <laughs> you you should have got that to go. That's the, <laughs> that's the eat here wrapper. You need one of those boxes. I think that's what it was. It was the one of their boxes where there's too much stuff to fit in the box, so they just lay it over the edge. Mm-hmm. In the at least in the commercials, then there's a little disclaimer at the bottom of like obey all traffic laws. 
probably had a professional driver on a closed course do not attempt disclaimer too. I love that when they do that in car commercials and mm-hmm. then it's just a car driving in regular traffic. <laughs> Stunt driver do not attempt. <laughs> do not attempt. <laughs> <laughs> or there was like a there's a Mountain Dew commercial one time where uh they showed people like skateboarding and stuff and like when you're getting extreme, have a Mountain Dew. And then at the bottom it says, do not attempt. <laughs> well, like, why are you telling me to do all this stuff? And then your disclaimer says, don't do it. They're probably worried about the type of people that were in the first Harold and Kumar. Just <laughs> extreme <laughs> Mountain Dew. They <laughs> <laughs> had a nice truck. Van- vandalizing <laughs> convenience stores all day. Harassing immigrants or children of immigrants. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. I did like that shirt, though, from uh, was David Grumholtz's character. I like Bush, the pussy, not the president. That was on? Harold and Kumar. Okay. Because I can't picture him in it. There was a na- It was him and uh, I forget the other guy. There were the neighbors, and they were sitting there watching TV, and Harold and Kumar oh. says, hey, do you want to come to the White Castle? And they're like, no, we're watching a movie. Yeah. Sixteen Get Candles. He had a shirt that said... Uh, or no, they're watching something with Neff Campbell, because she showed her tits, right? <laughs> yeah, I forget what they're watching, but... Craft or something. He had a shirt that says, I like Bush, the pussy, not the president. Yep. I think I remember it now. All right. Well, this will just be a recently seen episode. Before we get into that, we should probably go over our rating system again for our new listeners. Thanks for listening. Ah, <laughs> uh, so... I guess it's easiest to think of a rating system similar to a five-star rating system because we have five ratings. But uh, we set it up in a way for serious film lovers to prioritize how they watch or when they watch movies. Yes. So the top rating is ASAP. So watch this movie ASAP as soon as possible. ASAP. That means now. It's the best of the best. The Godfathers, the 2001s, maybe... One or two movies a year get this rating. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. It's pretty rare. Uh, next step down is Soonish. So watch it Soonish. Soonish. A lot of great movies in that category as well. The middle tier is eventually. Now we deem these movies uh, to be worth your time and then you should watch them eventually. If they are in theaters, we recommend that you watch it in the theater because it's always the best place to watch it. It's kind of our universal stamp of approval. Anything eventually or higher, good to go. Yes. Eventually. Below that is Last Resort. That's a last resort. So watch it as a last resort. Um, some of the movies in there you might like a lot, some not. It's kind of a, you can take a chance on it. You know, if there's nothing else on, you know, maybe you'll like it. Who knows? Right. But we didn't deem it to be, it's required viewing. It's it's not something, yeah, it's not something that you have to see or that we think you need to see. Mm-hmm. It's, uh... You know, it, it's worth watching if, if there's nothing else around. Yeah. And the bottom tier, the bottom rating, never. Yep. Never. WTM, <laughs> never. Don't even bother with it. Never that. watch that movie. Don't even waste your time. Never. We have all the movies that we talk about on our website. It hasn't been updated in a little while, but uh, I'll update it again sometime soon. So we, we still have over a thousand 
titles rated on there. You can go take a look. There's a little bit more of an explanation for some of the ratings if you want to look at that. Yep. Otherwise, without further ado... What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? What did you see, Brett? Well, I, what did you see? <laughs> I went to the theater. I asked you first. I went to the theater <laughs> first time in almost a year. Well, what was the last movie you saw again? Was that uh, Deadpool 2? Probably Deadpool 2. No. Because I don't think there was anything else that came out in the theater that I saw yesterday. I'm surprised you didn't go see Fighting With My Family. I don't know. I heard it got good reviews, but I I have a feeling I'm not going to like it. (laughs) I don't know. I think I know the story too well. Was that a WWE production? Yeah. Okay. Thought so. Steven Merchant and your your girl uh, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Who you had forgotten that I told you she was in there? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go see it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll probably check that out when it's available for uh, HBO or whatever. But I saw Us at as, the theater, as did I. Oh, good for you! And how was it? Separately, we don't go, <laughs> we don't go to movies together. It's weird. <laughs> Do you want to read the deets? I will read the deets. Just came out a couple weeks ago. Directed and written by Jordan Peele, who also produced it. Starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, uh, Shahadi Rai-Joseph, Evan Alex, Yai Abdul-Mateen II, Anna Diop, Carly Sheldon, and Noelle Sheldon. They play the, the twins. Kelly. What did I say? You said Carly. Oh, I said, nope. There's no, missed an R. There's no R in there. I put in an R, I should say. Madison Curry. Epira Grooves. I think that's about it. Who was the uh, the homeless guy? Not sure. Is that Alan Frazier? They just have random names for these other characters that didn't do anything. Yeah, Alan Frazier, because he had the Alan Jeremiah thing. Okay. Storyline, a family's serene Woodside vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. So, this I, was... I loved it. You were a big fan. I was a fan. I was just a little disappointed. I thought it was great. This, this was probably, I don't know if I want to say the best, but one of the best new movies I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I thought start to finish was fantastic. Writing, directing, acting. I I thought it was uh it was great all along. There's a lot of suspense in there, obviously. There's uh you know it's kind of a lot of genres like stuck together. Like he says it's a horror movie, but there's like sci fi, there's home invasion, there's mm-hmm. there's jokes, there's some comedy. Um so you know, and I thought he did a really good job of of uh, bringing it all together mm-hmm. and making it coherent and keeping you invested. And I thought the characters were likable, like the main characters, and then obviously like Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss's characters were kind of uh, douchebags. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the but their scenes were fantastic too. So you know, I I thought. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, it was It was uh, pretty similar to Get Out with the horror, a little bit of comedy, some sci-fi, uh, that sort of thing. 
I like it better than Get Out. Yeah. I think I like Get Out a little better. Yeah, def- actually, I definitely like Get Out a little better. But I will say I did like it. And a lot of the reason I like it is because I want Jordan Peele to keep doing movies like this. Right. There's homages in here to other horror films, but it's still pretty, it's a very original idea for the most part. Yeah. I mean, there's been doppelgangers in movies before and things like that, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you keep on going down that road, it ends up being a Simpsons did it situation where everything's always been done. Yeah. Just to what extent, you know, but yeah, definitely a different take. You know, he had that interview this past week where he got a little flack because he said he would probably wouldn't cast a white dude as the lead in his movie, you know, cause he's seen that movie before and right. I'm sure he has. <laughs> There's been plenty of them. You know, there aren't too many uh, black produced movies with black leads. Yeah, that ruffled a lot of feathers. And I feel like he, it's it's probably not a huge deal that he came out and said it. But I feel like he could have just kept doing casting the way he's been doing it. Mm-hmm. And not said that he's not going to cast white people. But still keep casting, you know, people of color in the leads. And nobody would care. Yeah. But... He got a lot of flack for saying, oh, I'm not going to cast white guys in the lead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you didn't have to say it. You could have yeah. just said, you know, the stories that I write or, you know, however he was going to say it to, to make it sound less racist, I guess, you know. But, uh, you know, I don't see any problem with him going on and casting the way he's been casting. Yeah. I mean... Spike Lee is probably the most prominent black writer, producer, director of all time, maybe, you could argue. I think so, yeah. And pretty much all of his movies have black leads, except for like 25th Hour is one I can think of, mm-hmm. where Edward Norton is the lead. He casts a white dude. Not not to say that Jordan Peele has to, but it's right. just an example of someone who, I mean, I don't like recall could- Spike Lee ever saying, you know, I'm not going to do this or I'm, I'm only going to you know, cast black leads or anything like that. Well, you, you, now that you mentioned that, like it kind of puts you in the corner too. Like, yeah. If you change your mind and you decide, oh, I'm going to write a story with a white guy as the lead, then, you know, a certain portion of the population can say, oh, you fucking lied about that. You said you would never do that. How can we trust you anymore? You betrayed us. And... I don't think it would be that big of a deal. I mean, but you kind of you kind of back yourself in a corner there when you when you make statements like "I'm never going to do this" or "I'm always going to do this." Yeah, because then when you change your mind, there's going to be people just as mad as the people who are mad now yeah. at you saying that you're never going to do this or you're always going to do something else. Like Tarantino always says, he's going to stop making movies after his tenth film. So it's two left. Right. So 10 years from now, if he wants to make an 11th film, obviously we're counting Kill Bill as one, you know, both volumes as one movie. Uh, if he, 10 years from now, he wants to come back and make another movie, I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> well, yeah. People who but are, he, Yeah, he paints himself in a corner yeah. where people are expecting him to be done after 10 movies. Right. So like, I don't think people who are fans of his will necessarily be mad, like the, the current Quentin Tarantino example, but there will people be people who are like, 
Well, you fucking lied to us. You said you were done. You, you know, you those great ten movies, and you're gonna go back, and you're probably yeah. gonna root it, and you know, there's gonna be people bitching. Yeah, they, they'd probably be bitching about his reasons because he's talked yeah. about he doesn't considers you know a director's career to wane in his later years, and he wants to make you know like a perfect list of ten movies, yeah. you know, and he doesn't want to sully that. So then it's like, well. If he made one and later, right. like, so you're going to fucking sully it now. Like, you, you know, right. This you're just bullshitting us for 20 years. <laughs> well, and then, too, people are going to think, like, oh, he's just making a cash grab or he's going yeah. broke or, you know, he's, you know, he's not doing it because he loves it. He needs the money. How many times has fucking Soderbergh retired? <laughs> that fucking dude. <laughs> he retires every other Every other year. Well, just because you wrap a project doesn't mean you're retired, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Retired from directing, and then he directed like a year later again. (laughs) Uh, Well, people can do what they want, but, you know, when you say stuff like, I'm never going to, you know, cast a white dude, it's, you're just asking for the blowback on the comment, and then when you, you inevitably... Ten years later, cast a black or uh, cast a white dude in the the lead role of one of your movies. You're gonna get a blowback from the other side. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not gonna bother me if he doesn't cast a white dude. I just want to keep doing horror movies. Yeah, because I think you know, you know, I was a little disappointed in this. I, I thought it was probably just a little overhyped for me. People were comparing it to some uh, pretty significant horror classics. And uh, there, there's a lot of twists and turns in here. Yeah. But I wasn't really surprised by any of them. I don't know. Maybe I just called everything in my head. But See, I wasn't I, really taken off guard by anything that happened. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really go that route. I just kind of let it go, you know, come, come as it as it did. I didn't, like, think too deeply, like, oh, this, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And um, I don't know if that helped me enjoy it more. I have a feeling that if I had known or had thought about it and knew what the the twist at the end was, I don't think it would have ruined it for me because they do drop hints along the way. Yeah. So I don't know if it's necessarily something where he's expecting people to be really surprised by it Mm -hmm. or if it's something where you're supposed to feel... Like you've been, uh, you've accomplished something by figuring it out, by picking up all the clues along the way, and then it validates your your theory once you see it, because it could be something like that too. Yeah, in his thinking, but um, I think even without that, you know, it, it's still a super enjoyable movie. I thought that I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was really well done. Like I said, and I was thinking about Get Out and spoilers for Get Out, but I'm guessing you've seen that <laughs> uh, if you've uh, listened to this podcast. Um, the reveal with with the surgical procedure that they do mm-hmm. that was a huge surprise. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't see it coming, and I'm assuming most people didn't see it coming. At least the procedure that they were doing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a much better twist than anything I saw in Us. Right. And I think in Get Out, 
it wasn't that I was necessarily not surprised or that I was, you know, was or wasn't surprised. It doesn't either way. I don't think it was as like shocking or as like, I, I didn't think it was as creative as some of the stuff that, that he did in us, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I thought Get Out's uh, social commentary was a lot more heavy-handed. Um, us, I felt that it was it was more subtle. It's still it's still kind of there in your face, but yeah, I I think that it's a lot more metaphorical versus in Get Out. It seemed a lot more literal. Mm-hmm. All right, we should probably give our ratings. What do you rate us, Brett? I want to give it an ASAP. Oh, we hear that an ASAP. ASAP. It's a rarity. ASAP. That means now. I think that's the the third one that I've had as ASAP. Yeah. Uh, usually we, like Jones and I, do our top ten list of the year, and as kind of a rule, we give the number one movie on each of our lists an ASAP. Uh, I don't think I've ever given a movie that I just talked about on the recently seen episodes an ASAP before, maybe once. But I don't think so. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other ones that we've had. But uh, I will give us an eventually. Eventually. So what happens when I put that on the website? Meet in the middle. It'll be in the soonish section soon-ish. of the website. Which means check it out in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. As to eventually, that would be the same thing. But yeah, go see it in theaters. So I, I guess that kind of means... Have high expectations, but kind of temporal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also didn't help that uh, I guess I didn't have the best experience I've ever had in the theater. It wasn't the worst, <laughs> but I went to see it at an AMC uh, Prime Theater, which kind of has the the rumbler seats. And uh, nobody was talking during the movie, at least that I heard. But uh, I was sitting in the second row. There was nobody in front of me. And this person kept on running from the top of the theater down to just a bit, a little bit past me. So I could, she kept on popping up in my peripherals. At first I thought it was an employee, like checking the exits, but there weren't any exits there. So I was like, who the fuck? I turned around and this person's booking it up to the top of the, you know, stadium seating. And she kept on coming down like every 20, 30 minutes. And I found out towards the end of the movie, she had plugged in her phone in the wall <laughs> right next to the first and second row. Oh and she God. was had to check her phone about three, four times during the fucking movie. Why even bother? Yeah, what the fuck? It's one thing if you want to charge it. It's still a little weird, but go ahead. Just leave it there it, for the yeah. whole movie or something. Like, what do, What's the problem? Are you afraid somebody's going to steal it or... Well, it looked like she was probably just going through text messages. That's so dumb. Like you're at fucking us. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag what about us? <laughs> what about it? Needs your attention. Yeah, we'll see if we get that hashtag going in about mm, nine months. I already saw. I already saw somebody uh, put out an article about how Lupita Nyong'o needs to get nominated for an Oscar for best actress. And I said, hashtag, what about us? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it has to come to that 
when the nominations are announced next January. Yeah, so if you don't know, if us doesn't get nominated for awards, yeah, hashtag what about us? Yep. Brett will lead that charge. I started that a year before I got on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You got on Twitter, what, like a month ago? You can look in our archives and find the episode where we talked about when Jordan Peele announced the name of his new movie. (laughs) Because that's the episode where hashtag what about us was born. And that is a scientific fact. Fact check it. Do it. Look at the archives. If I can figure out what episode it is, I might tweet it out. <laughs> Just so y'all know. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go next. I saw another new movie that just came out a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago called Dragged Across Concrete. Dun, dun, dun. It's a violent sounding title. Yeah. A violent director. Or I guess a director who makes violent films. A fare. director of violent <laughs> films. Directed by S. Craig Zoller, whose other works include Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99, which are both pretty fucking great movies. I believe I rated them both soonish. I'll have to watch those sometime. Uh, yeah, he's kind of an up-and-coming voice. Kind of makes genre movies. He's a musician. I guess he does. he's been in a, some hard, hard like metal bands. Oh, yeah? He's been a screenwriter. He's sold a bunch of scripts, but only one of his scripts has been made other than the ones he's directed. I believe he wrote the script for the new Puppet Master movie, The Littlest Reich. (laughs) (laughs) It's on Shudder. Oh, my goodness. But anyways, this film stars Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Carpenter, Laurie Holden, uh, Michael J. White, Tori Kittles. I think it's Jai. Jai? Michael okay. Jai White. Uh, Don Johnson, Udo Kier, Justine Warrington, Leonette Borrego, Matthew McCall, Fred Malamed. That's about it. Storyline. Once two overzealous cops get suspended from the force, they must delve into the criminal underworld to get their proper compensation. So... Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn play two less than reputable cops. They make a bust and uh, someone's across the street above them in a apartment that's higher up and videotaping them. And uh, Mel Gibson maybe gives them a little too much. Uh, how do you say it? Uh, well, it's a Hispanic person that he's little arresting. A little too much sauce. <laughs> yeah, a little too much sauce. Uh it's on a, a fire escape. Okay. And he has his uh, foot on the guy's head, kind of digging him into the fire escape a little bit. <laughs> you know, that type of deal. Mm. So that goes viral, and they get suspended uh, six weeks without pay. That sounds about right. Yeah. Wait, without pay? Yeah, without pay. Never mind. That sounds fictional. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> And so they detail various problems that each of the men have in their lives and reasons for wanting to get uh, some more money. (laughs) (laughs) So they decide they're going to tail some criminals off the record. 
and uh, try and make some money off of it. So basically, they're trying to, it's a heist on a, of a heist. <laughs> that type of deal. It's a 159-minute movie, so it is long, and it is a slow burn. Mm. Uh, I heard it was a slow burn going into it, but uh, I was pretty engrossed the whole film. It kind of flew by. Uh, performances were terrific. You know, you don't see Mel Gibson in much anymore. Um, this is a pretty good role for him. If you hate him or like him, <laughs> this is a role you'd maybe see him in. <laughs> People that hate him, you know, that they wouldn't. Well, if he's playing a dirty cop. Then I can cheer against him. There's a movie he did a few years ago called Bloodfather. I've been meaning to watch that. I keep putting that on my DVR and I'm it's pretty never good. watching it. I'd give it eventually. It was entertaining. He plays, uh, he's trying to help his daughter out. His daughter gets into some trouble. Yeah. And he's kind of an ex-con. And you find out he's a, not just an ex-con, but he used to be in the like Aryan Brotherhood type. <laughs> <laughs> that type of like a white supremacist group. So it was a good fit. <laughs> so people that hate him, they'd be like, wow, if this is a documentary, I'll watch that. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a documentary. I'm saying they'd say it's a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) They would confuse it because it's so true to life. Yeah. Uh, I'm still a Mel Gibson fan. You can go back to uh, Jones and I did an episode called, I guess two episodes called Let's Get Controversial, part one and part two. We talked about four controversial figures, Mel Gibson, Woody Allen, Johnny Depp, and Roman Polanski. And we just kind of... Laid it all out there. Mm. Yeah. That was a few years ago. But yeah, we're getting into some long discussions about those four men. I won't watch Woody Allen movies because they suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I pretty much steer clear, but I did have to watch a bunch in college. And I've watched once since then. Ugh. One since then. Why would they subject that to you? Because uh, he's you such, a, that. such a crafty filmmaker. It's just such him, craft. It's just him being neurotic and hitting <laughs> on girls that are way out of his league. Yeah. Or, you know, a surrogate that looks just like him and is <laughs> well, he did that twice once. the age of the female lead. Once he turned about seventy five, he he stopped having him be that character and he started putting like Michael Sarah in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, uh, back to Dragged Across Concrete. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. Really a lot of flaws. There's a lot to grasp. Um, it's one of those movies, after you watch it, you go, yeah, they don't really make them like that anymore. It's kind of a throwback to a a gritty, I guess, genre thriller of yesteryear, mm-hmm. that type of thing. With his other two movies, there's certain times in the movie where he really subverts expectations. So there's a lot of things that you don't see coming. Or at least not in the way that you think, that type of thing. Okay. There's a lot of twists and turns in his movies. It's especially dragged across concrete, I'd say. So Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Bone Tomahawk are more genre picturesque than, I guess, dragged across concrete. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a genre picture, but it's more of a drama, a thriller, that type of thing. Okay. But uh, I will give it a soonish. Soonish. Watch this movie soonish. There you go. What else did you see? I watched a movie from 2018 called The First Purge. This is the fourth one that is a prequel, correct? Yes. 
And then there was a uh, mini-series, which I, I did not see, but kind of want to watch now. Uh, directed by Gerard McMurray, starring uh, Ilan Noel, or Noel, Lex Scott Davis, uh, Joyvon, or Jovan, Jovan, I don't know, Wade, Mugga, there's just an uh, actress named Mugga. She must be a rapper. Uh, Patch Darug. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, who is unrecognizable. I had to look up <laughs> who that was. Uh, Luna Lauren Velez. Kristen Solis. Rotimi Paul. Uh, Mo McRae. Jermel Howard. Uh, Sia, Christian Robinson, Steve Harris, Derek Brasco. There's a lot of people in here. Uh, synopsis. America's third political party, the new founding fathers of America, comes to power and conducts an experiment. No laws for 12 hours on Staten Island. No one has to stay on the island, but $5,000 is given to anyone who does. This is the Purge movie that you wish all the other Purge movies was. Really? Yeah. It's, uh... So they do, you know, the political stuff, they they do kind of quickly, so you kind of get, your, uh, you know, the backstory. But you kind of already... If you've seen the other ones, you know the backstory already. Mm-hmm. They get this new, uh, new founding fathers party, and there comes to power, and they're, they're kind of the... Uh, it's kind of like if the alt-right came to power is basically mm-hmm. the the allegory that they're trying to sell and so they set this up it's their first year in power and they're doing this as an experiment on staten island and they're paying people to stay like the synopsis said and um so it's it's basically following a, a group of characters throughout the first purge night you know and Unlike the first one where they just stay in their house all day, they actually get out there and they, you know, kind of get in the streets and and kind of get in the action. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot more than I kind of thought I was going to like it. Although, you know, these Purge movies, they, they all look good in the previews, yeah. right? <laughs> so so it's, it's a little uh, hard to, to manage your expectations because... You know the the earlier ones were disappointing, but they always look good. The next one always looks good. Like, oh, they're going to get it right this time. Because it's <laughs> such a great concept, right? Yeah. You know, no laws for 12 hours. You can, you know, rob, murder, steal, whatever. And uh, this one and the second one are the only ones that really kind of go uh, and follow the action during the purge night. Mm-hmm. And I thought this one did it the best out of all the... The movies, um, and I'm kind of going back and forth because I almost want to give it a soonish, yeah. But yeah, what the hell, soonish? First soon-ish purge for the first purge, soonish. If you have not seen any of the purge movies, this is the one to see. Like the first one is really bad, really disappointing. It's totally fails with the concept and the idea. The second one is a lot better. Um, the third one was, uh, disappointing again. And then I think the, 
the this one the first purge is better than the the second one in the series so i would say you know give this one a go and then the other ones you know you can take or leave hmm. all right last movie i'm going to talk about is from 1981 miss 45 this is directed by abel ferreira who you would know as the director of the original bad lieutenant so is this a Melania Trump biopic? <laughs> Not quite. Oh. It's a good joke, though. I joke, I joke, I joke. Why you not know joke when you hear joke? I get it. 45. Because she's the wife of president number 45. Yep. <laughs> it would have to be Mrs. 45, not Miss. They haven't she, gotten divorced yet. Do you think she goes by Mrs.? <laughs> I was surprised Mrs. She, Trump? I was surprised she took his name. <laughs> Although I don't know what her name was before. Trump is probably a lot easier to spell. Yeah, I don't know. You think it would have to be, but uh anyways. Probably ends with a Vitch. Vitch? V I C. Yeah. Yeah. Was she Sylvanian? Possibly or Ukrainian, maybe? I don't know. Anyways, while you <laughs> figure that out, I'm gonna read the cast here. Oh, you want me to look that up? I well, don't you don't know. have to, but... Uh, so, the film stars Zoe Lund. Bogey. <laughs> That's the name. Just... Shit. The like, first like Purge. Moby. The first Purge had, uh, like, three or four actors with one name. Yeah. Bogey. On IMDb, says, Bogey is an actor known for Miss 45. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What a great uh, bio- biography. Yeah. Uh, Abel Ferreira <laughs> uh, makes an appearance in here. Albert Sinkies, Darlene Sluto, Peter Yellen, Stanley Timms, Jane Kennedy. God, there was a lot of actors on here with no pictures. <laughs> Melania is from Slovenia. Okay. And her last name was Nas. K-N-A-V-S. Or Germanized to K-N-A-U-S-S. Uh, Here's another fun fact. <laughs> and her, her birth name has a J in it, but they changed it to remove the J. Uh, Still Melania, though. Uh, Storyline from Miss 45. A timid and mute seamstress goes insane after being attacked and raped twice in one day, in which she takes to the streets of New York City after dark and randomly shoots men with a forty-five caliber pistol. So, as it says, she is mute and uh, very timid. She's a seamstress, and uh, after work one day, uh, she goes home. On her way there, she gets pulled into an alley and raped, and that is actually played by Abel Ferrara. He plays the rapist? Yeah, the first rapist. The first Oh, my God. And then once she gets home, there was a burglar inside and is raped by this man. So in the span of a couple hours, she's attacked and raped uh, twice. And she overcomes this attacker, kills him, and takes his gun, which is a forty-five caliber pistol. And uh, obviously that had an effect on her. Um, and she proceeds to go out at night and she kind of targets what I would consider to be douchebags. <laughs> Do they explain why so many people are trying to rape her? No, it was just one of those things. New York City, just on the way home, 
just got unlucky, I guess. That's just how it was in the 80s. I guess. And plus she's, well, both the rapists don't know that she's mute, but that so, also makes things easier since she cannot scream for help. So they're just like random? Yep. Jesus. Yep. But, uh, yeah, she kind of starts out targeting douchebags or guys that are handsy or borderline sexual assaulters themselves. Watch out, Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) No, she didn't target men that sniffed. Don't say that. What about men that grab the side of your head and then (laughs) rub their nose on your nose? (laughs) (laughs) Not that either. Um what about men that kiss the back of your head? <laughs> <laughs> or your neck or your face. Um, then she kind of starts to target just men at random. So it's a revenge tale. Uh, vigilante out looking for justice, I guess. This was on Shudder. I watched it because I know of Abel Ferrara because of Bad Lieutenant. And he's known for being very controversial because of the content of his films. Hmm. Uh, including this one, obviously. Although I must say, if there's a such thing as a tasteful rape scene, <laughs> this movie has two of them because oh. there's no nudity. Wow. No nudity, <laughs> which I was expected to be very, ex- I mean, it is exploitative, but they aren't particularly long. Um, no nudity. Nudity whatsoever. Not even, I'm trying to think if there's any male nudity, but I don't think so. Hmm. Interesting. I also found out that uh, Zoe Lund was also 17 at the time, so that might have been why they didn't show any nudity. Wow. Zoe Lund was a fascinating person to read about. She was a big fan of heroin. And (laughs) when I say fan, I mean fan. Like, she wasn't just addicted. If there was a heroin rights rally, she would be leading it. (laughs) Like, this needs to be legalized. Everything she thought was just better with heroin. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she ended up dying of a drug overdose, but, but actually of cocaine. Because apparently wow, that's... she moved to France. What you get for switching drugs? She moved to France and heroin wasn't as easy to get. And so she was getting cocaine. And uh, yeah, she died from the cocaine. But apparently she was heroin for years and years. That's weird. Heroin was big in the 90s. It was very prevalent in Baltimore in the mid two thousands. They set up a wire on the payphone outside the projects to try to catch them. Am I right or am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Uh, this is from Wikipedia here. Uh, Lund was un- unapologetic about her heroin addiction. She wrote at length about heroin and advocated it uh, for legal recreational use in the USA, as well as romanticize its effects. Uh, Quote, she loved heroin. She was killed by heroin, Ferreira said on her heroin addiction. Zoe was one of those people who thought heroin was the greatest thing in the world, and she did until the day she died. Uh, She was down on coke, down on everything, but, you know, heroin was the elixir of life for her. That was from, uh, yeah, Abel Ferreira. Another quote, I've known a lot of serious drug users, Richard Hell, a friend of Lund's, recalled in 02, but Zoe was queen. You've got to admire someone as committed to it as she was. <laughs> she didn't just love heroin. She believed in it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she was all about it, apparently. <laughs> it's very addictive. Yeah. Obviously, she was much more than that. She was uh, a musician, model, actress, author, producer, political activist, screenwriter, 
So um, she obviously did a lot. She died in 99 at age 37 okay. in Paris, France. This is cause of death, cocaine-induced heart failure. But it could have also been like, maybe she had a little heroin and coke. That could have been it too. Maybe. Because Wikipedia is not always so you know specific. Well, I don't know. Like heroin is a depressant and cocaine is a stimulant. So it, mm-hmm. I'm sure switching from constant heroin use to cocaine probably isn't the best you know route to take and her heart probably wasn't ready for that shit Mm -hmm. but i don't know i don't know specifics getting back to the uh graphic content of this film like i said i was expecting a lot worse from the rape scenes i was wondering if i should watch or not if you know because you and i have both seen i spit on your grave yes and we probably won't watch it again it's very uncomfortable (laughs) And it's like a half hour long. Oh, yeah. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And the most graphic shit. It just doesn't end. And in here, they're both, I guess, relatively quick. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not even trying to joke about it. It's just Comparatively I was speaking. surprised at how ungraphic it was compared to other scenes of that nature I've seen in other films, uh, especially from the director. So yeah. I will say that I think it allowed me to enjoy the movie much more because you're obviously uh, invested in her character. You want her to, you know, get back at the people who attacked her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't mind that she's out there killing douchebags. You're like, well, fuck that guy anyways. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and so it is kind of a fun vigilante type movie. It's um, There's some interesting, uh, I guess, camera work and... It's an interesting style to it, I'll say. Uh, I will give this movie an eventually. All right. Eventually. Did you ever see The Brave One? No. It's, uh, I, saw, I saw the prequel. It's called The Accused. <laughs> it sounds very similar, but it's much worse. I, I haven't seen... Uh, what was that one called? She was just talking about. The Accused? No. I thought you'd seen that. No, that you just rated. Oh, Miss 45. Miss 45. I haven't seen Miss 45, but I can guarantee you the brave one is much worse. I'm sure it is. The, the accused is much worse with the with the scene. No, just quality-wise. Oh, just quality. Oh. <laughs> As a movie overall. <laughs> Unless you like seeing like 47-year-old Jodie Foster titties, because there are like three scenes of them. <laughs> like, it's excessive. Probably not. have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 47-year-old Jodie Foster titties. <laughs> it's so true. Harsh. It's true. <laughs> that's ah. Yeah. Ah. That's ah. Mm. Ah. 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 <laughs> uh, what, what, You're titty-shaming you Jodie Foster. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said it was excessive. I said it, I felt it was excessive to have three scenes of it. It was too much. All right. So what else did you see? Last movie, 1980s, Simon. Directed by Marshall Brickman. Starring Alan Arkin, Madeline Kahn, Austin Pendleton, Judy Gro- Grobart, William Finley, somebody named Jay Ant, 
J-A-Y-A-N-T. Wallace Shawn, Max Wright, Fred Quinn, uh, Adolph Green. Uh, I think that's all we need to care about. Synopsis. A group of scientists take Simon, a psychology professor, as a test person for a brainwash experiment. After that, they try to convince him that he was a living being from another planet. This is a weird-ass fucking movie. (laughs) This is a weird movie. And it just gets weirder. So the the premise is there's a uh, a government-funded think tank of some of the the brightest minds in the in the United States and they're put together with unlimited funds to try to solve the world's problems but they got bored with that and they decided decided to just do whatever experiments that they you know were interested in and entertain them and like at the beginning they kind of explained some of the stuff they did like when Nixon went to China, a different Nixon came back and things like that. It was just weird shit. And so for their next experiment, they decide, we're going to convince people that there are aliens among us, like extraterrestrials. So they just randomly pick a guy. So this is the opposite of they live. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. And so they, they just pick a guy at random. He's got... He's an orphan. You know, he was an orphan as a child. He has no living relatives. And he just happens to be a psychology professor who's a little bit eccentric. And it's uh, Alan Arkin. He plays uh, Simon. And they bring him in. And they do all these weird tests. And it ends up, they end up brainwashing him into thinking he's an alien. And he takes it 100% to heart. He believes everything they tell him, and it goes straight to his head, and you know he he just runs with it. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's the only alien to ever, you know, make contact with humans and and all that shit. So it's it's very quirky, very unusual. It's a comedy, so there's a lot of funny stuff in there. The cast is is fantastic i mean you'll recognize a lot of them from other stuff like wallace sean's in there mm-hmm. um one guy i'm like where, where do i know that guy from he's the dad on alf <laughs> is okay, it, yep. is in here and then there you know fred gwynn's in there mm. he's been in a lot of stuff ellen arkin obviously he's been in a lot of stuff so um really uh recognizable cast they're all great you know comedic actors and uh, it's it's a really unusual story. Uh, I thought it was really original, and uh, I would recommend it as an eventually. All right. If I wanted my face covered in lies, I would. T- <laughs> eventually. <laughs> what was that one? Do you remember that one? No. The if you ever say something that's a lie, I just play this. If I wanted my face covered in lies, I would still be in porn. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Hahn is a comedic treasure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is that from The Goods? No, it's from uh, Wonderstruck. 
I don't think. It, what is that? I've never heard of that. Oh, sorry, not Wonderstruck. Wonderlust. Oh no, I've never seen that. Yeah, that's also with uh, got that other. I uh, got the Jordan Peele quote where he's trying to uh, explain how he drove Paul Rudd's car into a lake. <laughs> Take me through. Okay, well, yeah, it was like I'm going on the road. Cut to in the pond. No, don't cut to the pond. <laughs> yeah. What? I, don't cut. I mean, can you believe that? Can you believe it? No, I can't believe it, which is why I want you to tell me what, how did, how did that happen? I'll tell you what, hindsight being 2020, I probably wouldn't have done it the same way. What did you need our car for anyway? <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> cut to in the pond. <laughs> That's why he's such a great writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've no that's a David Wayne film. I have no idea if I'm sure he allows for a lot of improv, but he's also a very good writer in his own right, so I have no yeah. idea if Wayne wrote that or Peel wrote it, but I'll tell you what, Peel is hilarious in that movie. That they, they all are. I'm sure there's a lot of lines in the script for Get Out at Us that just says cut to <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> All right, well, cut to House of Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they they probably said cut, cut to 2019. <laughs> cut to Family and Car. I should like that movie even more because it starts out in 1986, my birth year. So oh. That came on the screen. I was like, ah, shit. So, yeah, when, when she shows up in the Thriller t-shirt, I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's '86, so it's still okay. <laughs> oh. Did I mention too? Winston Duke just basically does a Jordan Peele impression for the <laughs> entire movie. Yeah, it kind of does. I suppose. I'm like, man, this this dude sounds just like Jordan Peele. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess that makes sense. He wrote the movie, so yeah. Like, he could have played. He could easily played that character. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, still love that movie. Yeah. All right, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, next week we'll be doing Nightcrawler, and then we'll be doing Anchorman Two a short while after, as we continue our focus on the media and culture. Mm-hmm. Other than that. Please follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or Brett at positively wolf one. You can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at WTMwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes and or Stitcher and or many other podcast apps. Remember to uh get at us on Twitter about that stupid fast food <laughs> packaging thing that Mullen made up. It'll blow your mind once you see it. You're like, God, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, you think you made that up. I eat a lot. If of I f- made that up, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a millionaire. I eat a lot of fast food. I think I would know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man. You off my case.